everyone. Uh, I think this is going to be a fun one. So uh, joined tonight, or, well, I guess it doesn't matter tonight, but I'm interviewing Matt Desiderio at night. Matt, thank you so much for joining. It's okay. Yeah, it is like it's 3 a.m. and <laughs> our babies are crying it out. And so we decided to do this interview. Yeah, just texting each other. We were both awake, right? So That's I, right. I really appreciate you, jump, uh, appreciate you jumping in. So uh, there's, a, there's a new label, a relatively new label in the boutique Blu-ray world called Visual Vengeance. That's focusing on shot on video. And uh, Matt was kind enough as an unpaid intern to join us. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, they threw me a bone. They said, you can go do an interview. Uh, I think it's a bad decision on their part. But, you know, what what can you do? You know, if they're too busy doing the real stuff, the interns you know, get to play a little. Jokes on uh, them, I guess. Yeah, for real. Uh, but, yeah, it's a brand new company in the sense that the... Uh, releases have only been out for two months now, I believe. Um, uh, but there's it's years in the process. This company has been uh, been loading up on quality work for years to unleash upon the unsuspecting Blu-ray fan base. But just to you know, I don't want to burst your bubble we're not going to only do shot on video stuff. Oh, okay. Yeah. It, there's, and the first release, uh, bloody muscle bodybuilder is there. It's film and video and a bunch of stuff. It's like mixed together. So, yeah. but we are getting this, uh, shot on video label, uh, you know, and not by label as in we are a label, but people are labeling us as a shot on video company. Uh, and, and that's totally fine. I would say a good portion of what is coming out is shot on video, but there are some, you know, 16, eight millimeter, you know, even 35, you would be surprised at some of the stuff coming out. Well, that, that's a pretty good segue. So you're, I, I definitely want to spend some time on your tie in with Rob and wild eye and visual vengeance. I definitely want to go there. But just so that people can get to know you a little bit, because this is, I think this is something that's so interesting. So the, the curatorial game that goes into Visual Vengeance, whatever that end product is, is on the back of your career, essentially, which has been curating this content for as long as you've kind of been an adult, right? That's true. I have been a fan of weird, esoteric cinema for most of my life. Yeah. And somehow uh, after involving myself in many aspects from you know zines to film programming to self-releasing stuff i have finally tricked somebody into <laughs> employing me to do this uh and rob is the man that we're talking about rob house child who started wild eye and visual vengeance so he's, uh, you know, he's a good dude uh, for believing me uh, and giving me this opportunity. But yeah, I mean, a lot of the curating of the titles, it's not, you know, some of the stuff is you're going to see that's coming out is no brainer. Like anybody that is remotely interested in shot on video stuff or uh -huh. obscure regional films. I keep saying to anybody who asks uh, visual vengeance 
focuses on regional films and shot on video. So I always like to include the concept because regional is is important. You know, that that term of regional films, meaning outside of the Hollywood system, uh -huh. outside of the New York system, those are are just as important as the shot on video movies to me. You know, if some guys got money to make a 35 millimeter film with a couple of friends in his backyard, that's great. You know, <laughs> most of those type of films are shot on video, but right. every once in a while, somebody is crazy enough to spend a lot of money and make a 35 millimeter film. Uh, and it happened more, you know, I'd say probably like in the seventies and sixties and stuff like that. But there are, there are a bunch of them that are past that, which would totally fit in with what we're doing. Well, you, you, you see titles like champagne and bullets, or you see titles like action USA. Some of these, they are, I mean, they should be shot on video. They just yeah. have this like. They're, those, those are like vanity projects is yeah, what I totally. like to call them. Yeah. yeah. Totally. Which is that God bless them. I'm glad that there are people out there with money that want to make movies that have no idea what a real movie is, is like. <laughs> they're um, entertaining. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because otherwise we would just get more boring movies and who the hell wants to watch that? Exactly. Uh, well, so speaking of regional, that's a good tie-in. So I, last night uh, I watched L.A. Age Jabber. Yeah. For this. People can't see, but I'm holding it up. Uh, that's the, true. Really good art. By the way, well, okay, I don't want to jump around too much, but I want to ask about the art in a second. That's fine. But while we're on a regional side, so this was done, this was directed by Drew Gaderis, who was an actor in Blood Diner, right? Yeah. And was also an actor in a Darnold, uh, Donald Farmer project, Cannibal Hookers. So like this whole world is just, it seems like it's so connected. He's in, yeah, he's a, a B-movie actor. He's also in Evil Spawn. Uh, <laughs> it's okay. It's so Blood Diner is my favorite movie of all time. That's like end all be all for me. Nothing beats Blood Diner. How, uh, how does it compare to Blood Feast for you? Like how do you, how do you compare those? Oh, they're, they're two different worlds. It's okay. Like, it's, I can never say, when, when people ask me what my favorite movies are, uh, I would never mention a Herschel Gordon Lewis movie, but if somebody asked me what what of my favorite directors are, of course Herschel Gordon Lewis is going to be in that. You know, it's it's hard to pick a movie of his that I would specifically pinpoint and be like, I love that movie the most. Where I can do that with Blood Diner because it's it's different. I I you know I'm forty, so I'm not too old and I'm not too young. <laughs> I hope I hope now I keep saying I've been saying that for the last 10 years but um so it's like I saw Blood Diner before I saw Blood Feast mm -hmm. you know it's like yeah, I saw Blood Feast later you know so so Blood Diner holds a special spot in my heart but when people say what are your favorite directors I love all of those uh people like Ray Dennis Steckler and yeah. you know uh Herschel Gordon Lewis Doris Wishman uh, of course, Andy Milligan is it, the tops for me being a New Yorker. And yeah, you're yeah, he's his stuff is just but I can't pick out somebody's like, what's your favorite Milligan movie? I I mean, I guess if I really had to, I, I would pick one, but I don't want to because his movies are are different it, in the way that it's like the whole catalog is something to experience and not so much like I can't just be like, Oh, just watch this one movie. You would right. think I'm insane for suggesting. <laughs> um, 
As opposed to the other reasons I think you're insane. Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> um, yeah, but so so like it just feels like these these regional worlds are pretty tightly connected and everybody kind of knows each other, right? Yeah, uh, I guess. Or maybe, I mean, I don't know. Blood Diner is not a regional film. I mean, I that's a Hollywood movie to me. Um, but oh, sorry, just the Drew, like the Drew. And but Donald yes, Farmer. Drew, Donald Farmer, all that type of stuff. The connection of underground cinema and and stuff like and weird cult movies is always interesting to me how uh you know you'll find people popping up in each other's movies yeah. and and i mean la is jabber i i'll just tell you man i you know this is one of those movies that i feel like i really resurrected and put on the map like personally and i hate to like take i'm not trying to take uh credit because the movie was out there and available on video cassette, uh-huh. but nobody ever talked about it. Mm. And and when I got a copy, and I didn't even get that movie that long ago. I mean, maybe eight years ago or nine years ago or something like that. So it's not like an old one for me that I've always loved. You know, like you say, like Cannibal Hookers is the first shot on video movie I ever saw. And when I first saw it, I hated it. And I... <laughs> And I, and I'm still not the biggest fan of it. I mean, I get it and I appreciate it for what it is, but it's not one of the ones that I gravitate to saying like, oh my God, you got to see Cannibal yeah. Hookers. It's another one of those movies. It's like, if you tell an average person to watch Cannibal Hookers, they'll never listen to you <laughs> ever again. Right. Uh, but there are shot on video movies out there that if you suggest to people, they'll be like, wow, I can, I see something in this, you know, I yeah. get it. I get why you're obsessed. Um, but yeah, the the LA's age ever. I mean, do you know uh, Dan Kinnam from VH Shitfest? Do you know him? Oh, oh no, I haven't met him yet, but no, I know that I'm familiar with the label. Sure. Yeah, and he yeah they just put out their first Blu-ray, Corn Sucker. Yeah, and um, I mean Corn Shucker. I'm sorry, uh, I misspoke. Uh, but actually, Dan and I made a documentary about VHS collecting together called Adjust Your Tracking, um, and. Dan, if you know anything about him, he is a buyer, seller, flipper, you know, always selling stuff. Uh, And he knows that I like obscure stuff that, you know, if it's on a label that you've never seen before, Uh he's like, you got it. This one's for you. This one's for you. You Uh So like, you know, I think I was at Cinema Wasteland and he had, you know, truck full of tapes like he always did trying to pawn them off on people and uh-huh. he had this little stack to show me of things that on labels that you know he was unaware of and jabber was one of them okay and i was like you know and i probably bought 10 tapes for you know 40 bucks off of him or something like that uh-huh. you know very minimal amount because he's looking at these like throwaway tapes uh-huh. and and i was like I was like, did you even look at this? I mean, this is this is about, you know, some guy going around jabbing people with AIDS, an AIDS movie. <laughs> but um, so we put in the, and I don't know if you're familiar with the artwork of the of the Jabber tape, but it's just called Jabber on the VHS. Yeah. It's, a, it's the reversible uh, slip. You can put it in the release. Right? Yeah, yeah, the Blu-ray, that's actually a, a scan of my tape. And it's funny because when I sent Rob that scan, I didn't even think about it. It's got the little video score sticker that my tape has. And I was like, they didn't like edit it or try to find it. Oh, the, oh, the, the purple, like 87. Yeah, yeah <laughs> that's like off of my tape. 
Um, <laughs> when I saw the final product, I laughed when I saw that. That's good. So, so the the tape, you know, at Cinema Wasteland, we all get a shitty hotel. We don't get the real hotel uh, where the convention is, and we go to the Super Eight across the the way. Uh-huh. I don't know if you're familiar with Cinema Wasteland or anything about it, but it's an interesting show. But we 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 always bring a VCR with us. So if we get tapes, we could watch stuff, you know, stay up all night and party and watch movies. So we put the jabber tape in and up comes the the uh, title screen, L.A. AIDS jabber. And we all just lose it. You know, everybody in the room just goes crazy. We're like, I can't believe this is what it's really called. And then it comes up through Goddard and I'm like, holy hell. Because, you know, obviously I'm obsessed with Blood Diner. So I knew they um so but after that night i mean i wouldn't stop talking about lah ever and that was one i kept bringing up and showing to people and it started and now that tape you it goes for a lot of money you know mm-hmm. now that's a it's a expensive tape so it was one that i put on a lot of people's radar which is why eventually visual vengeance puts it out you know? Well, so I, I'm sure this is true for all of your titles. I'll admit this is the one that I've seen, but I want to just get people to buy this because like there's, you can tell that it's written by somebody that understands how to put a story together. Even if, you know, the dialogue isn't perfect all the time, like the beats are there, like the emotional beats are all there. It's a well-told story. Well, that's the thing. Drew is, is making a real movie. He yeah. does. It just so happens to be about a guy who <laughs> runs around stabbing people with AIDS infected blood in a needle. Yeah. Um, but in that part just like goes over his own head, I guess. I don't know that, you know, he thinks that I, I really don't know what the, where, where that comes from. It fits in the concept because it plays out like, you know, like an episode of like law and order or something oh, yeah. like that. You know totally. what I mean? It's like a real deal, uh, drama. But yeah. it's it's psychotronic because of the concept, you know. Exactly. Well, and the acting and the acting is very interesting. You know, it's there's amateur acting in it, and then there's some professional acting. So it's like melds together in this weird way, and then it has a uh, one hell of an ending. So yeah, I don't even, I don't even really want to spoil it. Yeah, yeah. Um, but so speaking of Blood Diner, then so Jackie Kong actually does a special feature on the disc. So how did you meet her, and like how did you kind of get involved with her? Because there's interviews with her going back even I don't know maybe ten years or eight years. I forget when it yeah. was. Well, I'm just obsessed with Blood Diner, so I've been I was hounding Jackie every way I could for okay. years uh, before she ever even responded to me. <laughs> um, I. I don't know how does Jackie get on my radar well or how do I get on Jackie's radar more like it is I think that once Blood Diner finally came out on Blu-ray she was touring yeah uh, touring around the, the country with it and showing it off so the Vestron release I believe yeah the Vestron Blu-ray yeah, yeah. so when it came to doing that, I hit her up immediately and I was like, you got to do New York and I got to, I got to host it. You know, I got to do the Q and a and, and I got to, and she finally responded after all, after many times of reaching out and sending emails. And, and it's funny, like 
it, to me, it's the a dream come true. It's like Jackie's my friend now. You know, we're we're like actually buddies. Like I literally sent her a picture of my kid today and she was like, oh my God, the cutest thing ever. Um, so like we're on a real friendship level. And that's just, to me, is it's why I do this. Like I don't do this because I want, you know, fanboys to jerk me off or people on Twitter to think I'm the shit. I do this honestly because I want to become friends with all these people that I am obsessed with um, and just weasel my way into their lives somehow, uh, which is also just sick and twisted anyway. But uh, but yeah, I got on Jack at Jackie finally responded to me and I think I can't remember if she responded to old messages too at that point because I had wrote an, I had wrote a huge article about the history of Blood Diner before yeah. I'd ever talked to her yes. and she she did read it eventually and was like wow and now Jackie goes around saying that I know more about Blood Diner than she does which I think is funny that's awesome yeah well it's too bad because her commentary on uh, on that blu-ray is pretty it's good she gives a lot of history and a lot of context for the movie so it would have been uh it's it's anyways it would have been fun to hear your voice on that as well oh forget about it that would have been amazing and one of the things that i i tried to get involved in the night patrol release and okay. do something but they just didn't want to do special features for that for some reason like jackie was up for it and I just, I don't know what was up with the company, but. Who knows? Yeah. Um, so, but one more thing I want to harp on really quick from your history that I found super interesting. So you have, as part of your really like tenured resume, uh, you have a art installation at the Museum of Art and Design. Is that right? Did I read that right? I did at one point. Um, yeah. Or I mean, had, yeah, you have that in your yeah. history. Yeah, so, uh, that sounds that's amazing. Like a VHS installation or something. This is before, and this is the real deal. And this is before, like, bullshit, like slashback video in California, where they like, you know, have like a storefront and put their copy of like Ghoulies and like some kids drawing version of you know popcorn or something like that, okay. uh, and display. And they call that a museum. And it and I I had done a a pop up in a real government funded museum an actual institution of the arts uh-huh. where believe it or not i now this is like one of those really funny ones where i think literally what happened and this is that's like 10 years ago too at this point where i think the guy just uh googled vhs or something wanted to do it so so the person that was like programming at the theater at the time was jake usna who is brian usna's like nephew or something like that yeah and he contacted uh my friend christina who is a film programmer in new york she works at the nighthawk now uh and she had actually been programming at the 92y tribeca for years and that's how i met her and she used to do a vhs trailer show where she would invite people to come and show trailers uh, off of VHS tapes. Uh, and she curated each event with specific people. And I'm, my guess is that Jake using a Googled VHS New York or something and saw 
I don't know how got my name at, picked my name out of the bunch contacted Christina Christina linked us up together I said when I went for the first meeting I was like I can't I just got to make I just got to show up and be like I know why they picked me you know what I mean I just go confidently. I, if I ask them they're going to second guess <laughs> why they picked me but I got them to show I mean, this is like a theater where they, this is like a whole museum with a big giant theater in it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's like a real museum with members and members like are in New York and the Upper West Side are like old white people. Uh -huh. and, and they just go to these movies because they're, they feel entitled to it because they pay their membership. And mm -hmm. like, and they're, and we're showing necromantic and, <laughs> love it uh what else did we show uh oh tales from the quad dead zone hell <laughs> hell roller uh oh. yeah it, mother's day oh wow is that a trauma movie or no oh, maybe yeah that's a mother yeah, mother's is, day right? trauma yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and well. i and I, you know, got special, pe you know, guests to come and host each one of them. We showed something weird by Herschel Gordon Lewis oh, as, cool. uh, you know, because something weird video is so important and, and something weird, the namesake movie is one that doesn't get a lot of play. So I thought that was a good one to, to show. And I had a lot of really awesome people come and host like Mike Hunchback um, and Dan Kinnam and Josh Schaefer and a lot of people involved in the VHS world. Right. And I pitched them the concept of doing an installation of a real video store. And, you know, they were, were like, yeah, okay, sure. We can find a spot in the museum to do that. And when we did, and, and we, we had employees. There was this guy. I had this intern guy, this guy, Zach Labine, who's really smart and an amazing film uh, historian in his own right, older than me. No right being my intern. You know what I mean? It's okay. like, but they, you know, he was trying to, you know, involve himself. And now he's doing a lot in the in the industry. He's actually an actor. Um but anyway, they they bought it hook, line and sinker and they let me put my video store up. And it's a lot of that whole concept is me because I used to work at a video store and I am always saying I used to always say that why am I so obsessed with this is because I want to recapture working in the video store, which was like the greatest time of my life. And I think a lot of people who work in video stores at a certain age, I mean, I worked in an adult store in on eighth avenue in manhattan when i was 17 so it's I'm like it, like you know perfect yeah it's like crazy time in manhattan yeah working in the city as a kid and in that type of environment so you know i always say that's a lot of the reason why i'm obsessed with this type of stuff because i'm trying to relive those days in the video store well, we, I had um, two, two comments on that. I had, I worked at a Blockbuster, which is not that exciting, but it was a franchise Blockbuster. And the person that owned that, that particular store was a huge trauma fan. So we have to have been one of probably one or two that had a trauma section. Oh, wow. That's so that awesome. was my introduction to trauma was when I was 19, I guess, 20, I guess. And that's how I got into that world. Um, and, and then- Trauma is an amazing gateway to oh. weirdo movies. Like, yeah, so know. accessible, and and they're good. Exactly. I mean, 
that's the thing. They're entertaining. They have crazy titles. You know, the in-house productions are actually really well made. Some of the pickups are not as good, but you know, you have to have a lot of pickups to continually release movies all the time. So. so I'll just share a really, really quick story. My wife and I went to New York City every year after we got married for the anniversary trip for probably three years and uh, three or four years after we got married. And one of the times I, I drug her to Queens to go see Troma Studios. And, oh, and I knocked okay. on the door and an intern picked, uh, or no, an intern was outside smoking. I was like, can I get a tour? They're like, I guess. So I got a tour. I got to meet Lloyd. It was like, it was great. I was like, so this like made my life, you know, one of those moments. And one of the sweetest guys in the world. Like, oh, totally. he, he's so cool, like, and so funny. And so, yeah. you know, he's a real interesting character. I mean, he is on 24 seven. He's not like it, it. You rarely see the the mask off, which is interesting about him. Um, the energy, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, he's a great dude. Love, I love Lloyd. Um, I've been, you know, he's another guy. Like I weaseled my way into being his friend somehow. <laughs> well, it probably helps that you're in New York. I would have done the same if I lived. Up there. Oh yeah, forget about it. And uh, I'm. I'm lucky in the sense that I don't know if you know about my day job. Do you know what I do for a living? So that's what I was going to ask. So I saw references to Forbidden Planet. In, yeah. but are you still there? Yeah. Okay. I still work there. I've been there 17 years. Okay. Um, and, you know, it, it's a matter of pride, man. It's like the city changes constantly and it gets more and more depressing and loses its culture every day and yeah. forbidden planet is an institution right in union square that keeps new york a little like old new york and you know i grew up with amazing places like kim's video where you can go in and get bootleg you know russ meyer movies at <laughs> as a kid so <laughs> Or I was able to get like the, you know, bootleg Sam Raimi short films. Awesome. And, you know, Forbidden Planet is like the last of those type of stores downtown. And I always say that for me at this point, it's more about keeping this kind of culture alive. And if there's not a place in downtown New York or New York period, Mm -hmm. where you could walk in and buy a copy of basket case, mm -hmm. then we live in a shitty city. You know right. what I mean? And, and I'm able to provide that by, you know, being at forbidden planet and curating their film section and having, you know, everything from, you know, gore whore to, you know, uh, Belladonna of sadness, you know, it's like, <laughs> so I, I, I'm able to continue that tradition of a place in New York where you can get cool stuff. And it's important because New York is filled with colleges, filled with young, impressionable people that are trying to find themselves. Mm -hmm. And there has to be a place that they, that weirdos like me, like when I was growing up, can go to and it's crazy in in new york city there was places like tower and virgin megastore which yeah. were like giant corporate versions of what we do at forbidden planet and they all are gone um but forbidden planet lasted 
And then there's people that were like Forbidden Planet, like Kim's that closed, which were, you know, just as important. And it's, it's sad and it sucks. And, you know, I take it personally. So I want to make sure that there's a place where people can go and buy Fangoria magazine or drop or zines like Driving Asylum, you know, stuff that will, will change some kids' life. Art changes people's lives. Totally. And if there's no place to actually have access to this, it's everybody has access to everything through the internet, but the internet, there's no difference between, you know, Forrest Gump and LAH Jabber. It's just a picture on a screen. There's no curation. You right. know, a- Amazon has everything. Google, right. you can find anything by Googling it, but you have to know what to Google. So by having a curated place in New York City, um, like Forbidden Planet, it 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 makes it easy for weirdos to gravitate towards it and find what they need. And don't get me wrong, we have all the Marvel stuff and the DC stuff, and, and that's like practically mainstream at this point, but it's still part of you know cult offbeat culture it's fine it's totally cool whatever well i was talking to ross a little bit about this from from saturn's core i know you said you know him as well but like yes it's there's no there's not a strong difference between what a regional shot like like a william hellfire is doing and what um uh oh shoot what was the uh the artist in new york that had the factory uh, um Andy Warhol. Warhol. There's not a huge difference in what they're doing. There's a group of artists that are getting together and creating this art that is outside of the mainstream, right? They happen to pick up Warhol and make him like an institution, but he was living outside the box for a long time. Definitely. There are Andy Warhol movies that are just as unwatchable as William Hellfire movies, 100%. (laughs) Right? It's It's this fringe art that needs to be, like, you have to have it. And, and so it's, I, I couldn't agree more for Austin had two a Vulcan video and I love video. Oh yeah. I've and been to both of them. Awesome. Yeah. Well, unfortunately the doors are closed on both of them now. Wow. COVID was the final nail, but Jesus Christ. Yeah. Well, it, it's funny. I, you know, I don't know if this is off topic or somewhat in the realm. Okay. You mentioned, you know, you comparing Andy Warhol to William Hellfire, but Andy Warhol's still a weirdo. Um, but then I watched, uh, I, I just did a, a marathon of the new Jurassic Park movies because okay. I hadn't I hadn't watched them yet. And the new one came out and I said, you know what the hell? I'll, I'll watch the other two new ones sure. and then I'll watch this. And the second series, uh, the second one in the in the series of the new ones, which is what I'm finding to be the 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 one that everyone hates. I don't know if you've seen these or have any interest in these. I'll eventually get to them, but I haven't uh, seen them. And I'm sorry if I spoil anything here for you, but I'm going to anyway. Uh, I'm watching the second one, and it is not good. It's not a good movie, but the, but the, you know, concepts behind it and some of the things in it are like so far out there. There's like, you know, in the end, there's a reveal. Like, there's like a little girl that they're all like trying to find at one point or some something like that. And the little girl in the end, they reveal is part dinosaur and has dinosaur that's like straight out of a roger corman movie and this is like a mainstream movie amazing. Yeah. Uh, so it's you know even the mainstream it's so skewed at this point anyway that it's we live in a world where summer blockbusters you know it's accepting you can accept the concept of a dinosaur 
girl hybrid and that's you know that's what summer entertainment is now i i don't know but then i think it's like am i crazy here has it always been like this have summer blockbusters you know i guess you know independence day 20 years ago was one of the biggest movies ever and it's an alien invasion movie it's like you know maybe we just really like weird stuff uh at heart I don't know. Maybe we're all weirdos. You said that you talked about Andy Milligan earlier. I think there, there's certain directors like that, H.G. Lewis. I would love to see them with a $50 million budget because if they had a real, like, quote unquote, like a real crew, because that's the thing, like, you know, the, the, the production is different from the story in these Hollywood movies. The people that are working on the films are amazing at their job, right? Like the graphics and the whatever, like the set designers and all that. Like, I would, it would be amazing to see some of these people with a budget like that. Yeah, in my head, though, it's like you give Herschel Gordon-Lewis a million dollar budget, he will make the same exact movie he did with no budget and then buy a new house with the rest (laughs) of the money. But Milligan, I don't think he would be even able to know what to do. I I don't know. I I mean, Milligan did amazing stuff with so little because he's such a control freak and did everything himself. So but Carpenter is like that, right? That's what John Carpenter did. Yeah, it it doesn't really matter. I just I just want to see it once. I just want to see like some of the because the stories are unique, like the ending of L.A. AIDS Jabber, you know, I won't spoil it, but it like it makes you rethink the whole movie. Well, that well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, you know, Blood Diner's like a million dollar movie. It's probably not a million dollar movie, but it's like it's a high budgeted movie. And you see something like that and and you watch it and you really pay attention to what goes into it. I mean, it's such a dense movie and it's shot really well. And there's so much action going on and there's crane shots and there's, you know, (laughs) clever editing. And it's like, that's like giving somebody a lot of money to make blood feast is blood diner. And, you know, but it takes somebody like Jackie who knows how to work people to yeah. to make the money worth it you know but it you know i i don't know it it takes the right person to make a good movie with a lot of money because we've seen tons of shitty movies that were made with tons of money you know it happens all the time yeah um so uh, one thing you uh tying into blood diner i guess just kind of going back into, into movies here so uh visual vengeance one of the things that i think anytime there's a new label that comes out on the marketplace one of the ways that I think you're, you've been very smart about, and I'm sure this was intentional, but is the cover art is very striking, right? So I know that you have a background as an illustrator. Is it your art? No, not at all. I mean, these are all different artists uh, that are professionals. I'm a professional bullshit artist. I'm not a professional, uh, you know, illustrator. These are all real illustrators, real real people out there um i'm just kidding uh the no it's it's important i think though art is really important and i think that by having very good new illustrated artwork it helps draw people in because i mean that's what drew us all into movies in the first place and with poster art and like going back to things like Corman, you know, you see those Corman posters, like, you know, like the wasp woman doesn't deliver what's in the movie, but 
the poster is amazing. You go see it because yeah. of the poster, exactly. Because of the artwork. And and I wouldn't say that the artwork for Visual Vengeance doesn't actually pay off in the movie because I think everything is pretty much representative. It's not even like a lie. This you is know? amazing. Suburban Sasquatch is what I'm holding up. Yeah. There, it, it's ripped off arm and it's like bleeding and there's but like this is amazing artwork. Well, there is a Sasquatch and there is gore, so it doesn't lie, you know. Um, yeah. but I think it's I think that having a lot of different artwork is important because and I'm not going I'm not trying to call any labels out here, but there's a lot of labels out there where you get the movie and a slipcase and i don't even want to get into the whole slipcase conversation it's almost like you know you have to have a slipcase these days or else people don't don't even want the movie for some reason but if you're going to have a slipcase what's the point of the slipcase art being the same as the art underneath it what is, i don't get it and that kind of has become a standard lately almost yeah um and especially when a lot of this art is new art created too. So that means there is original art still out there. And if you notice the visual vengeance, like we talked with Jabber, so far everything has had new commissioned art on the cover, new commissioned art on the slipcase, and then the original videotape art or original DVD art if it, it wasn't released on tape uh, or some type of original uh, art having to do with the uh, movie's initial release mm -hmm. as the inside flip. So you're getting three pieces of art. Um, I mean, I think there's some some movies that'll come out eventually that might even, I mean, they've all had a poster. Uh, I think some of them might even have different art on the poster at some point because, you know, creating art is awesome. <laughs> you know, just... Creating new art representing these movies is awesome, especially the shot on video movies that came out at a certain time period in the 90s, where a lot of the art started getting really bad, getting mm. kind of like a throwaway looking like, I mean, like the Necrophiles, for instance, which yeah. is, you know, the artwork is just like, it's not bad. It's just not interesting. It's just a, you know, a couple photos from the movie, right. you know, with this, with the text over it. it it's not horrible but it's just not very interesting so yeah. to get to you know cormanize these movies in a way that is gonna it's first off it's gonna like open it up to a different audience too because there's the people that know what this stuff is and there's the people who have no idea what this stuff is right. so art is really important yeah. um, and you know saying from being you know, having gone to school for art and, and understanding the concept of using art in the illustrative manner, which is commercial art, it, it really is important to have good striking art to draw people in. Uh, I mean, that's been since day one. That's why, you know, you see these amazing, you know, Herschel Gordon Lewis posters and you want them, you know? Yeah. Uh, it's why you go to see the movie. I heard an amazing interview from Bill Lustig one time where he was talking about, I forget, is it 8th Avenue where all the kind of adult video stores and, and, and theaters were? Uh, yeah, 42nd Street is 42nd where Street. the movies were, and 8th Avenue is where all the adult video stores are. So 42nd Street is what he was talking about. You, yeah. you just said 8th Avenue, right? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So he was talking about 42nd Street and he's like the lessons he learned from 42nd Street. And like when you would walk along there, I think he works in a theater there or something, or he's from that area or something. But when you walked along that street, it was like, you know, they'd have these posters that would draw you in and it would just be a, a skin flick. But like the poster made it look revolutionary, you know, and like that's carried through all of his physical media releases. He's done it at every stop and you can tell. Oh, yeah. I mean, Maniac poster, one of the Great. I mean, one of the best posters and, you know, Lustig, it's funny for me because my personal opinion about Lustig's films is, you know, Maniac is, I mean, it's a classic, but it's not that great. Maniac, <laughs> Maniac Cop is more, is, is boring, uh, but Vigilante which is my favorite movie by him and is a movie that I think anybody could watch and be like blown away by. It has the most generic looking art, you know, it's like the least <laughs> exciting art. Um, but yeah. yeah, I know that's just my opinion about Lustig movies. I, I feel like I'll get, you know, crucified for saying bad things about Maniac, but I like Maniac. Don't get me wrong. I, I go far as saying I love Maniac, but it's not, you know, it's not as good as some stuff. You know? Well, there's certain people that transcend the films that they made. I think he's yeah. one of those that's had such an impact on the industry that he kind of, you oh, know. is an insane character. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, well, so um, you have five releases that are currently out, right? Or, or maybe four. Is the fourth one? Is four. The one okay, there's Sasquatch. Four is out so far. Yeah, there's four okay. out so far. The fifth one is coming. The fifth and sixth ones will be out soon, which are... Uh, the Blood of the Chupacabra two movie set, which is one that I'm really interested in seeing people's reactions on because those movies are kind of not really well known and not because they're obscure, like because they had, you know, releases. But I don't know. I just don't ever hear anybody talking about them. Okay. And when I first saw them, I was... I was like, wow, this is kind of a solid movie. I was impressed. Uh, so I'm excited to see other people's like, oh. because it, it's, you know, having worked at video stores and, and being a collector of movies for so many years, you know, it's hard to come across something that you're like, I don't know. And then watching it and actually being like, oh, that's good. And when that happens, that's the stuff that throws me for a loop where I'm like, holy shit. Yeah. I got to start, you know, I got to figure this one out. But um, but yeah, the Chupacabra movies, that was actually a Rob pick. He got that. Uh, and I was like, oh, wow. You know, it was like one of those. I was like, oh, wow, you got that. That's cool. You know, but the other one that's coming out, Slaughter Day. I don't yeah. know. If, I don't, did you watch the trailer? Yeah. Uh, yeah. I've seen the trailer. Yeah. Not the movie. Yeah. But yeah I've seen the trailer. That is a personal like movie that I hold near and dear to my heart. Again, it's a movie that I I don't know anyone else who has ever seen it before. I well, I got that movie from a friend of mine who is uh, 15 years older than me yeah. and has been going to conventions forever and has is a huge film fan. His name is Sal, and he's a really good friend of mine, and he's a complete madman, and he uh, has put me on to a lot of stuff and this movie is a movie that he had bought on tape at a convention uh because uh ron bonk actually put it out 
okay. Sub Rosa and Salt City, and he did all those labels back in the day on, you know, he made movies too. And he had released this movie Slaughter Day on VHS. Sal got a copy at a convention. And then when me and Sal first became friends, he started giving me all his VHS tapes. And he was like, have you ever heard of this movie? And I said, I've never heard of this movie ever. I don't know mm -hmm. anything about it. He goes, oh my God, it's one of the best. You got to see that. Talking about it like everyone should know this, but okay. no, no one knows this movie. And I immediately, I watched it and it blew my mind. Top five SOVs of all time, 100%. Oh, wow. It's a game changer. When people start seeing this, their minds are going to be blown. They're going to be obsessed with the cousin brothers, um, the the two Hawaiian brothers that made Slaughter Day. Great. Um, but I contacted Ron immediately. I said, Ron, what's up with Slaughter Day? What's up with that? And Ron said, oh, I sold 12 copies of that. He said that was like a bomb, you know, and I get it because the cover is horrible. The cover is like the worst thing in the world. Okay. But if you actually get past the cover and watch it, it's like the total opposite of what we're saying. It's yeah. like this is a movie that if you see the cover, the cover you would never want to watch it. Uh -huh. um, but, you know, I, it, he said that like sold 12 copies. So 12 copies in existence. I have one of them. I don't know. I've never heard of anybody else with another copy. I don't know anybody else who's seen it. And I showed this movie to Rob and Rob said the same thing when he saw it. He said, this might be my favorite SOV. Wow. <laughs> and, you know, so that was, you know, always in the back of our heads of, of movies, a movie to get for the label. Um, Generally know. speaking, is when you're working with SOV, is it as easy as just calling up? ron and getting the rights like how, how well, ron didn't have the rights anymore ron that that reverted that i mean if ron had the rights to it he would have put it out himself at some point he would have not just let it sit i mean ron has been so he's been active all this time you know he's been making you know he's been putting out movies he, he never went away oh sure sorry i should have asked the question differently uh, is it as easy as just calling up people like, 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 you know, is it one phone call where basically the rights holder, the director or somebody just picks up and you kind of talk to them and get the rights? Is it, is it usually like that? If you're lucky. Okay. You know, sometimes, you know, so sometimes it's impossible to get in touch with people, you know, yeah. it's, and then sometimes people don't want anything to do with these types of movies. It's funny. Like when I first saw Jabber, I messaged drew on facebook immediately about it and he never even responded and i think he deleted me <laughs> after i messaged like i think he might have been embarrassed about it 10 years ago you know what i mean and now times change and everything ages uh you know differently and people change their opinion about things it's just like just like jackie didn't answer me for so long until eventually she was you know getting back out there because her movie was getting revived mm -hmm. on blu-ray i think that some people if you're lucky, yes, you can just call somebody and be like, hey, but then not every movie is, you know, not every movie is owned by the director. That's a big problem that people don't understand in this world is that um, just because you contact a director and say, hey, can I put your movie out? And they say, yeah, it doesn't mean that director actually owns the movie. You know, it's like there's producers and, and money people and all types of things. And, and movies get sold from catalog to catalog. And, 
you know, it's like, it's like, how does trauma end up owning Frankenhooker? You know what I mean? Which is like a where like, you know, uh, Henenlotter would be like embarrassed to to say that his movies are trauma movies, but in 2020, now his movie are literally trauma movies. You know, it's like a crazy, you know, the, the world of film acquisitions is very uh interesting. Well, it's it, it, you know, it comes to bite you in the ass eventually, I guess. <laughs> uh if you think you're better than somebody. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I'm just talking shit. Uh, no, no, no. But it's interesting though, because so, so basically, there's like um, uh, you're just saying it's 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 it, everything is different. Like you you might call Drew, and he may own the rights, or he may not. It yeah. may be like through some or he, or he might lie and say he does. Who knows? You know what I mean? That's the thing. Okay. If somebody called me and said, "Hey, uh, you own the." rights to this blah blah, blah. I mean, like and and i haven't thought about it in 30 years i would be like sure i think so <laughs> yeah how much are you gonna pay me sure give me that money sure um or maybe if it's just about ego too you want you know what i mean it's not always about money mm, you know yeah 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 you want to say you have it um where okay so one of the big things that people always ask about is um um, you have the limited editions after those sell out. Are you putting out standards? Yeah, there'll be standard editions. And I think that goes back to our original conversation about the slipcases and the art. It's like, if the art on the slipcase was the same exact art on the cover mm. and, and say we were just a standard label that didn't have all the other cool extras that you're getting. Cause I mean, every DVD, every Blu-ray is packaged with a lot of cool stuff. You know, in Necrophiles has a condom in it. Um, you know, Bloody yeah, Muscle Bodybuilder yeah, but... has a, a video star card. They all have the sticker sheets, posters, yeah. you know, liner notes. They all have a lot. They're all packed to the gills with a lot of stuff. And but say you were just a standard company that just had the slip cover and the case. And then so the limited edition is the slip cover. And then what, who cares if it's the same artwork, you're not even getting anything special for having the limited edition. So that's, I think a big reason why the art is different because it makes those first print runs very special where mm -hmm. you can get the slip cover. Yes, because all the collectors are slip cover freaks. I'm just kidding. As, remember I said, uh, we, we talked about editing, right? I was just kidding. No, uh, I don't care. Hey, I'm a Guilty. I mean, oh, I'm, yeah. if I have a choice between a slipcover and not, I'm going to go with a slipcover every time. For a long time, I was with you. You know what I mean? But just recently, I started saying, I don't know if I care as much. I don't. I don't know. Um, it's a lot easier if that's true. Especially considering the art. It's all the same now. Not all, <laughs> yeah. all of them. You know what I mean? That's the thing that I'm like, eh, do I need it? If I, if I eliminate all these slipcovers, I could probably fit a couple more blues on the shelf. That's true. You know, uh, and, and ultimately, you know, I am a collector, but, you know, if somebody says, do you collect movies? I don't really immediately think of, you know, that as my collection. It's like, I just buy movies because I want to watch them. And, yeah, I buy, yeah. and I have tons of them. And I buy books because I want to read them. And I have tons of them. Um, but, you know, I, I don't call those my collections. You know, I like, I collect art. I collect posters, original art, yeah, stuff like that. You know, that's what I call stuff that you can't really, you know, that you really just look at 
and you don't you can't get anything other than looking at it and don't get me wrong as i said art can change somebody's life so looking at art can change your life and, and inspire you but it's not like reading a book or watching a movie yeah sure you know so that's like more in the realm i think of like this is something i collect because it's something i look at like people collect toys like you know do they sit home and play with them probably not they just look at them and have them on display right. um, I, when I was trying to get my DVD and now Blu-ray collection moved into the living room, I tried, I toyed around with the idea of calling it my library to see if my wife would, would bite. Uh, it didn't work. It's in the kids' room underneath. Like a, but oh, I had, wow. Yeah, but I still, I mean, I go in there. Um, so your kids' room is filled with like vinegar syndrome porn on 4K. Is that but it? it has like a beautiful like forest scene <laughs> covering it. So you would never know. <laughs> <laughs> um no i i listen i'm lucky my wife is if she works in the film industry she's you know i showed her uh the first day we hung out we watched movies and you know mm-hmm. we watched she was like let me see some of these movies and i was like all right i'll show you stuff that is important to me and you know i think that other people would norm like would get without having to be like obsessive, you know. Like I showed her, showed her Psychos in Love, which is my top five movies of all time, you know. And I think that anybody who likes movies would fall in love with that movie if they yeah, see it. It's, it's it's very accessible. It's great. Yeah, but it's cult and it's very it's a deep cut. You know what I mean? But if you watch it, it is accessible. Um, and I think that a lot of the visual vengeance movies are like that, where they're, you know, okay, maybe Necrophiles is not the most accessible movie in the, I mean, it's about some pretty heavy stuff, uh, but it's you, but it's like it's done in a very humorous manner. So I think that average people could watch the and really get a kick out of it. Um, well, it, this is like it, um, I, I, you know, I really like Takashi Miike movies, mm-hmm. and you know his movies. I think are, are the example I always use, where it's like uh, I, I just watched Dead or Alive too recently, and it has yes, it has a scene of somebody having sex with a recently deceased corpse. That's true, and yes, it has one scene of this you know crazy content, but it's a sweet movie about these guys trying to relive their childhood and going back and rediscovering what. They love in life. And like, that's what Miyake does. He, he mixes these two together and he puts in this like, you know, nasty content that, that makes people squirm in a sweet film. And, and with a, not, they're not all sweet, like, but yeah. I mean, but he, it's common where he, he mixes this in and it's like a story about people finding friendship from an orphanage or something. And it's like this nice story. And yes, it also has this, you know, like objectionable stuff, but like, yeah. I think you can have both. I think you're right. I mean, and he's an interesting example because he has such a large body of work too, you know, so yeah. And, and there's guys out there like with these giant bodies of work that you're like, Oh, wow. You know, there's stuff that is very normal, you know, it's like Fulci made Westerns. You know what I mean? It's like, you know, grandma's going to be able to watch that but she might not watch you know all of his stuff <laughs> you know the beyond but you know uh yeah. so yeah i mean 
I try to, um, you know, I, I, I guess I, I guess the concept is to release movies that people are going to like, you know what I mean? And not just release them because they're obscure or because they're shot on video. It's like, you know, you want to release things that people are going to actually enjoy to watch too. <laughs> this is what I love about what Agfa's doing, what um, Saturn's core is doing and what you're doing. And I think I, this is why I'm so interested in drawing attention to it because you have done the hard work of seeing thousands of movies, a lot of them, which probably stuck. And there are some that stick out and you're like, Hey, people need to see this. And so I just like stressing that every time I, I speak with someone like you, like what you are showing us is like, it's like you're inviting friends over to the first horror boobs group and yeah. you're like, check out this movie. It's great. Right. Like, let's watch this. That's exactly what it is. It's like just taking it to the next level. I mean, that's why I got into programming films. That's like what, you know, like we did them in, in that house at first, you know, we would invite people over and just have them come and watch these crazy movies that we kept discovering you know, and then we took it further and now it's, you know, and then we started releasing our own movies, you know, doing a yeah. DIY on VHS or, you know, we did some DVDs, but, you know, now it's like the next level of, of doing it really legit and it's in major distribution and it's, it's out there, you know, it's like on Amazon, you know, but this stuff was, but the thing is this, these things were out, you know, if they were there, they were out, you can get them on Amazon back in, you know what I mean? The Amazon's been around for 20 some odd years, yeah. you know, you, you were able to get this stuff on Amazon. It's just highlighting it again in a new way. It's like, Hey, remember this, you know, it's all things age, uh, you know, things, they come around, it, it's at the right time, you know, they, they age just the right amount for people nowadays to look back a little more fondly, because when, you know, shot on video stuff, like I said, the first shot on video movie I saw was Cannibal Hookers, when I first saw that, I was like, this is fucking shit, you know what I mean, I was like, because I wasn't used to stuff like that, yeah. um, but then the more you see, the more you're, you know, you can actually be like, okay, well, this isn't, it's not just bad because it's shot on video. It's bad because it's a bad movie. Yeah, um, but, exactly. <laughs> you know, but the shot on video stuff is jarring at first. It makes you feel like, it's like those, you know, sometimes, now I'm not trying to harp or say anything bad here. Don't take this the wrong way. But it's like when you found a movie with a crazy title and then you realize it was a wave movie. Okay. You know what I mean? It's like, oh man, this is, oh, oh wait, oh, it's wave. Okay, now I get it. It's like, all right, I know what I'm getting into. Yeah, you know sure. I, mean? I got you. Not like, you know, but there are some wave movies that are pretty, you know, they're, they're good. They're over the top and they're, but you know, there's, it's a huge catalog with a lot of filler. Um, well, that was unique in the way that they're produced. It's like you're gonna, yeah. you're, it's almost inevitable that you're gonna have a lot of bad stuff just because it's you're yeah. trying to force a story around people's desires, right? So yeah, yeah. So it's a whole different <laughs> ball game. But that's like you know, you want to see something and you know, you're you're digging in. It, I like what you said before. It's like I about having done this for so long and putting the work in. I'll tell you a story. Uh, uh, you know, because I was on paternity leave because I just had a kid and I came back to work 
two weeks ago and there's a guy came in who I haven't seen in a minute. And he's like, oh, it's been up. What have you been doing? Blah, blah, blah. And I was like, well, I've been, you know, working with this label and the releases are finally coming out. You know, he's a cinema guy. He's a film guy. He would come to a lot of uh, film related things. And, and he's like, oh, cool. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, well, I'm producing special features for this company and I'm helping them acquire films. And, and, um, and he's like, oh yeah. I was like, yeah, we're doing, you know, I've been doing commentaries and liner notes and all types of stuff, interviews with people. He was like, oh man, uh, you think I could do that? And I was like, I think anybody could do it, but it's taken me 10 years of doing these things in some capacity on my own Yeah, before I could do it for real. You know what I mean? <laughs> or before somebody else consistently said, hey, yeah, you're pretty good at this. Why don't you do this for us? You know what I mean? Uh, it took it took a long time to get there. So some people like, you know, that's like fanboy syndrome where they're just like, well, I could do that. I could. And, you know, thank God there are people like that because that's a lot of how we get these movies, because <laughs> people out there are like, oh, I could do that. And then they make these completely insane shot on video films and they do and they and and they made it so thank god for people like that but at the same time it's insulting when you just say like no i could do what you can do when they just, it's just because, yeah i don't know i don't um, know i'm just yeah not, so one the last question i have i i um i only let it go this long if i'm having a good time so thank you for taking this much time um this you is can, gonna, you can edit out as much as you want no i i mean i can't <laughs> i but i i um I hope other people are having a good time because I'm I'm really loving talking to you. I um, wanted to talk about Criterion movies. That's what you do normally, right? Have you been? Well, I it, it, okay. So yeah, so the podcast started out of a Criterion Film Club, but I'm a little bit of an oddball in this group because like most of my collection is genre movies. Yeah, and so you know I want to watch uh, a '60s you know Japanese you know film. Uh, some you know or like some crazy shot on video thing from like southern England or like I'm all over the place and I'm kind of forcing I just saw um, uh, Passion of Joan of Arc the other day uh, you know Carl Dreyer's big like famous I think it's rated as like the 18 it's from 1928 and it's rated as like the 18th best movie of all time and it's okay you know, and all this and like for honestly like I, I will watch those and it's I go in assuming I'm not going to like it but I'll appreciate it and sometimes they surprise me. Like, yeah. sometimes they're good and I get it. But sometimes I'm like, eh, that's a little masturbatory, you know. Um, do you have um, streaming Criterion Channel? I do. Did you see they, I mean, they put up those Jackie Chan movies. Have you watched any of them? Oh, uh, I haven't. They, no, not on the Criterion Channel. I haven't they, seen that, I guess. They put up some Jackie Chan movies and I'm like, whoa, is Criterion going to do some Jackie Chan blues? I'm like, Get, getting hyped because why would those be on the channel i don't know you know maybe they just license them from somebody but it's like all those jackie blues i believe are are uk or something like that so yeah i don't think anybody here has put out a lot of them i no, know all uk that's right yeah i know 88 films is putting out one coming up but i mean there was one there's one on the criterion channel my lucky stars which okay. i highly suggest it's a sam hung one it's which means it's going to be super funny it is super funny it's amazing it's uh 
you know, it, it's you, you got to watch it. It's so good. And I'm dying to I'm I'm hoping that Criterion starts doing Chan Jackie Blu-rays. I mean, I would be so hyped. I mean, that would be an amazing set. He has he's in a lot of movies, but some they oh, did forget Bruce about Lee set was, was phenomenal. So what, wait, what's that? Which one? Bruce Lee set. Oh, yeah. The Bruce Lee set. Yeah. Forget about it. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I mean, they're great. I I, I got the Godzilla. I got the um uh the Van Peebles box set, you know. Yeah, it's it's you know, Criterion does great stuff, man. Well, we're at this point in history where Vinogus. I'm saying Criterion does great stuff. It's like, uh, do I really have to tell anybody that? No, they don't need the yeah, they're, they need they're my good. approval. <laughs> but no, we're at this point in history where like vinegar syndrome and arrow are pushing criterion, they're all kind of pushing each other. Right, which is better for they're all. Pushing, they're pushing the retail up is what they're doing. Oh, well, that's it. <laughs> SRPs, that's the only thing they're pushing. It, which is good um, for you, though, if you can sell at a higher price point, right? I, no, all our stuff is at a lower high, a lower price point, which is the thing about it. It's like, you know, even because if you put the SRP at $30, you know, retailers are still going to sell it for like $22 or something like that. So like Criterion and our arrow their srps are like 40 dollars, yeah. and you know you get them at most places between 30 and 35 um so but now it's like it, it goes back to to what i was saying about you know access uh, you know only you know people who are like obsessed with this type of stuff or dedicating their lives to it or this is what they spend their money on are going to no have no problem dropping, you know, $30 to $40 on all these arrow releases of some really shitty movies. <laughs> but I want to make sure that the kid uh, that just moved to New York for college, who's got no money can go into a store or, or whatever even order on amazon it's still cheaper on amazon whatever um i can afford this stuff because mm -hmm. that's who Lauderdale. yeah i want people to see it i don't want them to be you know and and that's a big thing rob is is 100 percent behind it's like you know that's his 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 mantra you know he's the one who is of that mindset too and and that goes back to stuff like you know head and lauder he did it and he changed the face of of you know home video history by telling media that they they had to sell basket case cheaper you know because videotapes cost like you know back in the day you were you it's like sixty dollars or seventy dollars or a hundred dollars to buy yeah. a vhs tape right. I, rem I remember going into the video store trying to buy uhf the day it came out and they're like that's a hundred dollars and i'm like what Wow. Yeah, and I'm a kid. And I was like, I don't have a hundred dollars to buy a yeah. movie. Um, but but Henenlotter made sure that his movie went out there at an affordable price because he knows his audience, young kids, stoners, people that are gonna, you know, don't have a lot of money. And wow. that's who's actually gonna buy Basket Case. And it worked, and they sold so many basket cases <laughs> i didn't know that story actually that's amazing yeah yeah that's uh so he pretty much invented you know sell through which is you know cheap affordable home videos you know he's the guy who who forced their hand 
yeah. to reduce the price because it's a it's you know in his head it's a numbers game you know you sell more copies at a lower price than fewer copies at a higher price and that makes sense plus i i personally am getting you know as a fan of this stuff and a person that collects collects movies or buys movies to watch it starts getting you know it starts getting out of hand and it has been getting out of hand with the prices and the and you know once arrow came out with their you know standard srp then all these other companies started inching their prices up fucking shout factories are like 40 dollars now yeah you know yeah, 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 yeah like the new ones and it's like listen i get it Forty dollars if for that creep show box set thing that they did with the nice hard box gets all the extra stuff in it that I get, but then when you're buying, so you know, microwave massacre. No, microwave massacre is worth a million dollars. Don't get me wrong. Yeah, you know what I mean. That's like see, you picked the wrong movie. With no, me. no, I saw it. You referenced it in one of your things as a uh, you, you reference it by name. I love that movie. It's the, one of the craziest premises I've ever seen. What did I, really? I don't even know. I probably yeah. I mean, I love it. That's why I, I probably referenced it. But you know, I don't know. I can't even think of like a new. It's uh, like a new one that just came out, which is pretty bad that I can't think of uh, a new one. Like. But like, I don't know, Species just came out on Blu-ray. I'm sure that's $40, you know I mean? And that's like, you're really kidding me because you can go to the, the dollar good, Goodwill and get a copy of Species right now, probably for a dollar. Um, I, I Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. There was like, like the Cursed, the Werewolf, Christina Ricci one's like $40. And I'm just like, you, really? This, <laughs> I don't get it, you know? um but yeah i that's that's my rant on pricing yeah visual vengeance uh it's not it's not gonna creep up to that amount because i think it's important to and then in three years there'll be fifty dollars and you'll be like that guy lied to us no just kidding uh, <laughs> but no but it's true it's like it's important and rob is 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 the one who said that you got to be able and i get it i'm i'm 100 with that mentality it's like every you know, average people, young people are the people that you want to get into this stuff. Yeah, exactly. The way I met Rob, yeah, the way I met Rob from Wild Eye was um, a little over 10 years ago because I know it's a little over 10 years because this place just had their 10 year anniversary, the Nighthawk Theater oh, yeah. in uh, Williamsburg. They now have two locations. One's in Prospect Park, too. Uh, the Nighthawk in Williamsburg, they're like, you know, a hip theater where you can get food at and they have a bar and they show, you know, awesome repertory cinema. And, yeah. But they also show first run stuff. So anybody can go there and you don't have to just, you know, know it whatever kurosawa movie they might be i don't know like i'm just throwing that out there but yeah. uh, it, it, they also show like the brand new movies and the guy who was my connection there this is like the funniest thing it was like this was like early in the harbors world when uh we would do the stuff at the house and just have parties at the house and show movies and there was a girl amanda who was close-knit with us and she was original part of the original horror boobs crew and she had a friend 
who uh, her job was setting up parties for places or for people. And when Nighthawk op opened, they hired her to do the opening party. So Amanda went as a guest of that girl okay. and they have a giant wall of VHS tapes there. And she struck up a conversation with this guy, John, who is an integral member of the cinema uh, of the Nighthawk company and, you know, one of the special events programmers uh, and was talking about VHS with him because it was his collection. He used to actually run a video store called Real Life. And that's where the, all those tapes came from. And she was a tape collector and she told him about horror boobs and he was like, well, you guys should do something at the theater. And so she came back and we were like, this is awesome. We're going to do, because you know, we were showing stuff at like, you know, I was showing stuff at like a pizzeria before that. I was, <laughs> you know, I think we had showed some stuff at Spectacle, which was like, you know, it's like a 30 seat theater in Williamsburg, yeah. you know. So, but we were like, oh, wow, we're going to get to do something at this place. And so we had a meeting with John and John had this other guy there rob okay uh who was an old friend of his and he was like we should do some type of thing all together vhs related so that's how uh i met rob uh doing these parties we would do these parties there we had a monthly event that was literally like six hours worth of programming that we put together and it would be themed and we would do a game show we would do uh trailer reel uh you know clip comps uh a feature shorts uh -huh. like all types of you know literally six hours worth of programming we would edit on vcrs like old school uh -huh. and do them right there and in the in this and we weren't even in a theater they would put us in the lobby so we're like projecting stuff on the screen. People are coming in. It's free. Uh, and there was a tape swap. So people set up all over these tables with their tapes to sell and, and swap with each other. And it was like this big party. And it's like people would be coming to see like whatever first one movie. And like we'd be there with like microphones, like yelling things. That are like, you know, there'd be like nothing but nude scenes on the screen. And like people would be coming in from like seeing Drive, you know, and we'd be like, you know, just ripping on, like yelling in people's faces that are just normies, I guess. Um, or whatever, hipsters, Williamsburg, you know, whatever you want to call them. Um, and there we, and, you know, we're do, we did, you know, like underwater VHS, uh you know it's everything was like sea themed or we did like you know um i don't know there was so many it was like uh -huh. it, it, it's such a blur because it's over 10 years ago now uh but it's it, the reason i am bringing it all around is like that's how i first met rob we became really great friends since then we've been working on projects forever and this year um i'm you know, we did that for nine months okay. and, and we stopped doing it. It was getting to be out of control and it just didn't, you know, it was too much, I think, for doing stuff in a lobby. And then like, it, there was always like, oh, we should do stuff in the theaters and it just didn't really come together. And But I had programmed plenty of things uh, and hosted lots of movies at Nighthawk over those past 10 years. It's not like, you know, 10 years, I did nine months and then walked away. But... Yeah. 
the reason that I'm bringing this all up now is because this September, we'll be launching a brand new monthly series called Visual Vengeance in the theater, not in the lobby. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Um, not in the lobby, uh, where we'll be showing uh, Visual Vengeance movies, uh, the movies from the catalogs. And, you know, right now there are ones that have come out already, but who knows, we might get to a point where we're going to be showing ones that haven't come out yet. So you might get, you know, sneak peeks by coming to this. But every month um, at Nighthawk Cinema in Williamsburg, there'll be a Visual Vengeance night where we'll be showing movies and the first one is september 1st we're showing bloody muscle bodybuilder in hell uh i'll be hosting there's going to be free giveaways and then there's going to be an after party in the bar uh where i'll be dj and i dj strictly with vinyl i'll be lugging you know my records with me uh mm-hmm. none of this laptop djing you know i don't know what that is that's not what i it's like if i want to listen to music off the laptop i'll stay home um so that is you know coming up we've got slaughter days flat it is the second one uh and then i'm not sure what the next ones in order will be but i'm sure we'll be showing moonchild which was just announced um and we gotta show lah jabber that's gonna be totally uh you know these are movies because the theater going crowd is even different from the home from the the physical media crowd yeah, there's people that just go see movies in the theaters right. and they don't buy them you know so getting to getting these movies out there any way we can uh is important so yeah come come out to the the nighthawk and hang out we'll be there we'll be giving away stuff we'll be uh, we'll also have a merch table so you want to nice. buy stuff directly from Visual Vengeance you know instead of giving Amazon that money which I understand you know you don't want to give money to the evil conglomerate uh, so give it directly to the little guy uh-huh. awesome. um, yeah so yeah come out that'd be great I'd love to meet everyone perfect thank you uh, yeah. you know, it's an element of preservation there too. Um, oh, yeah. Well, look, uh, Matt, thank you so much. Um, great conversation. What are uh, what are the closing remarks you want people to hear about Visual Vengeance? Um, well, you know, you on the spot. don't think that you know, don't don't see this new label that came out of nowhere and be like, I could do that. because it literally has taken years to get i mean this label we've been working on a lot of this stuff for for years and just because it's all coming out right now and it looks really cool does look easy but don't think that there hasn't been a lot of work that went into this stuff um because it's interesting now that people are treating this stuff with such respect you know with these companies like agfa and saturn's core and they're they're getting these really fancy treatments and i think that's really cool that people are going back and appreciating these movies in a different way than when they first came out it is preservation you're right it's all it 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 is about that and i think that a bunch of the movies that are on the visual vengeance roster are ones that are really important and need to be, you know, 
preserved like slaughter day you know if it would have just disappeared you know Uh, a lot of these titles are going to be like that and then there's some that uh, that aren't it's like you know suburban sasquatch is is there's red letter media which made that movie huge you know um so and riff tracks and stuff like that Uh which made these movies like really well known which is really cool um so there's some of them that are living in this other like world of I don't get that world so much because, you know, it is like kind of like making fun of it in a way, but I think they do appreciate it too. So I I think it's easy to, to feel better than something by making fun of it. And that's fine. And it's good if it exposes it to people, but that's not what we're doing. And, you know, we're showing it respect in a different way but it's still cool i'm still a whole i don't care if it's because you want to laugh at la's jabbers while you watch it i just want people to see it if if that's the reason you go in you i think you'll be surprised at the fact that it's a good story it's like a solid well-made well-told story yeah i Um, thank you for articulating that in a one sentence where i went on and on um (laughs) No, no, it's, it's true though. Like I, the way that I, you know, I think there's a, um, it, it just, like you said, there's an adjustment period when you start watching shot on video. And I think, you know, when I revisit, uh, I'm really glad I saw uh, LA Edge Jabber now, yesterday, as opposed to 10 years ago or something like that. Like, I just, I think it depends on what else you've seen. And like you said, a lot of big budget movies are so dumb that there's no, there's no real story there anyways. It's like you start to, it starts to, like kind of fall apart this uh artifice between like budget and and quality you know and eventually i think you just get to a point you see enough movies and you're like hey if it's a good story compelling like i can i can see i can see the intent behind the execution you know yeah i mean i watched dr strange expecting something exciting because it's sam raimi and i i didn't even i was like what am i watching this is so this I'm nervous is, to watch it for that reason. Yeah, it's so it's like over bombastic and there's no you don't feel like there's anything at risk. I don't even I couldn't even tell what I was watching. Like I was so abrasive. I was I was bummed. I was bummed. And and Sam Raimi is one of my favorites. Evil Dead changed my life. Sure. I, you know what I mean? It's 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 quintessential. And it's crazy to me because, you know, there's these movies that we're releasing like Bloody Muscle Bodybuilder in Hell, Japanese Evil Dead, Slaughter Day is a riff on Evil Dead. It's like all these movies are inspired by Evil Dead that are right. coming out on the label, which I, I love. It's so cool to me. It's because it's like, I get it. I mean, if it wasn't for Evil Dead, I don't know, you know, if I would be as obsessed you know it's like evil dead and blood diner if it wasn't for those two things i don't know if i would be the person i am today i love it awesome perfect way to end it um thank you i hope everybody listening buys or gives gives some stuff on visual vengeance a shot uh i've i enjoyed it i don't want to say more than i thought i would i just when i hear a new label coming out i go in and i just try it because you never know and and i really love what i've seen so far and so um thank you for doing the hard work the 20 years of work or 15, whatever, to get to the point where you can release these. 
uh, and please keep doing it. Oh, forget about it. Rob has been doing it. It, it, it in reality. Like, yeah, Rob has been in this world even longer than I have because he's a little older than I am. And so he's, you know, again, it's a lifetime of, of watching movies and wanting to give back. You know, there's a point um, where certain people are just like, I can't just be a fan anymore. Uh-huh. I need, I want to contribute to this in some way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and that's why there's all these people that are like, I could do that. <laughs> awesome. Thanks, man. Yeah, thanks, dude.